Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Hey. How's it, how's it going, ladies? Good. How are you? Good. Good. This is awesome. I know. I'm so excited. And good I morning. I like that picture behind you. Yeah, you like that? That's cool. That's super cool. My name is Michael Brown. I, I've been interested in the in any just high strangers in general for 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 my entire life, basically. Uh, my family uh, they witnessed the UFO encounters, poltergeist activity in our home growing up. Um, I moved into another haunted home when I was as an adult with my uh, ex at the time and our two daughters. Super haunted uh activity going on almost every single day multiple people in, in, encountering stuff uh, it was that that prompted me to really take it seriously and say okay doc i'm putting my foot down i need to know what i'm doing here i need to know what's going on i want to be formally trained on what's going on here and and how to investigate it and that, at that point you know ghost hunters was becoming huge and and before that i didn't realize that there were actually organized groups that were that were giving training and and had organized groups and board of directors and like all the you know I was I was blown away, so I joined a group I became trained back in 2013 I started training the training was about a year long almost uh, became a full investigator investigated with with uh, with South Jersey Ghost Research initially and then Jersey Paranormal uh, at this point it's basically just my girlfriend Beth and I uh, just as free agents basically at this point just going around just helping other different groups people we get calls all the time oh hey we're investigating this place we need some more investigators uh, so we'll do that and uh, we'll also we get private cases all the time just got another one yesterday people just experiencing stuff in their home uh, they're, they're either super sensitive and they don't understand what's going on or they have a legitimate haunting in their house and they just need some advice they need to talk to someone that isn't going to say hey you're nuts. You know what I mean? That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Exactly. And, uh, and so we help people all the time with just stuff, weird shit going on in their house. And, uh, and so that's what I've been doing since then. And I recently, just a few years ago, I started a podcast called Paranormal Brew that has uh, since moved on. And there's another host of that show now. It's still going on. Um, you can see that on YouTube, but uh, I started the bunker because I, I made the, the conscious effort to expand my you know, my, my treatment of high strangeness and not only talk about hauntings and demons and poltergeists and stuff like that, but also look into aliens, which I've always been super fascinated with. Uh, my father was stationed in White Sands, New Mexico in the early 1950s. Mm. Uh, so he's got some crazy tales that he's shared with me. And, and uh, so I grew up with it and we grew up watching In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, you know? And so I've always been into the stuff. And so the bunker was really my step into the bigger realm of high strangeness and, and to include everything cryptids yeah. ufos all that stuff i mean i live on the not too far from the pine barrens all kinds of weird shit going on there very much um, and so i wanted to tackle that and that's really the bunker it's uh it's available on um you know apple Podcasts, google podcasts um what's the other big one um spotify spotify is on it's on spotify it's on you know pocket Casts. It's, it's on about nine, 10 different platforms. So if you search for it, you can find it. Um, so yes, I appreciate you allowing me to plug that. And uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's really interesting too, because you say you started off really into this, uh, the paranormal side of things, which I think is where a lot of people start to dip their toes in. And then once you start to research it, you start to realize the bigger picture that all of this is a little bit more connected than we thought it was. There's not necessarily a separate camp of ghosts, demons, aliens, spirits, gin, all those type of things. It seems to all kind of be sort of intertwined when you throw in that aspect of maybe multidimensional or, you know, people things being able to come through portals and stuff like that this this thin veil between these two sides and it starts to seem like more and more the alien ghost demon is the other side all as one not these separate entities that a lot of people make them out to be yeah 100 100 percent. that that's what um myself and some other researchers have been have been talking about and researching and really looking at a lot of these cases because and another thing that started happening was we began going to paranormal cases and we would begin to counsel the people, um, take readings on the property and the home. We would start, you know, sort of getting a picture of what's going on. And then it's like, then down the road, they would begin to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, there's this dark being that jumps into bed with me at night and uh, <laughs> is making me super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you just, the more you talk to them, you build rapport, then they start opening up and they really start talking about stuff that's like, crazier than that which is like oh yeah no we saw this giant ufo over the house and you know oh my mother saw it it was at her house too and you know and it's like oh that's this one time i was abducted by aliens like that that stuff inevitably comes out and we just started coming across it more and more and um another researcher uh, a great friend of mine justin bamforth wrote a book uh, called the spectrum where he talks about this very thing where how it's every all of this stuff is all connected. We're all describing, just like the culture differences we were talking about with Campbell, all of these different phenomena is all the same phenomena, really. And it's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. our perception of it, our upbringing, our religious understanding, our, our fears, whatever it is, uh, it, it's manifesting differently to each person. But I think I just, the more I get into this and the longer I do it, the more I think it's, it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's really interesting, too, because I think when people hear the word paranormal, they really just keep it to ghosts and things like that. And it seems like over time, the people in the paranormal field are kind of realizing maybe we're not two separate camps, you know, because you have the UFO community, then you have the paranormal community. And it seems like maybe this is a big movement for the paranormal group to say, maybe we should start coming together. We should start sharing information, sharing stories. Um, I can definitely see a growth with the paranormal field like that. So I think it's really cool that you realize that early on, even growing up in a home that was haunted, but then also some weird um, UFO experiences that probably set you up. Like this is probably your path for that Mm -hmm. reason, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I I truly believe that. And um, there's one episode you did recently with Grant Cameron. I've listened, I've watched and listened to a couple of times. Uh, we love you, Grant. I, he's such a good guy. Oh, he's amazing. I love it. And you know, and he's into this consciousness thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just recently started doing research. I plan to write a book on that, uh, focusing more on the paranormal, bringing in that the UFO aspect, cryptid aspect. Um, uh, but, but tying it all to consciousness. Um, and there's actually, there was a case that he touched on on that episode uh, that, uh, that took place in North Jersey that uh, it's called the Stonehenge Incidents. 
mm-hmm. and it, it's it's actually it was the it was it was the case that I decided to do for the first episode of, of my podcast, uh, which is called the Stonehenge Incidents, also, and uh, that was my foray into UFO research, and I wanted to follow up on a on a you know a, a local case, and so um, Bud Hopkins is a hugely famous uh, uh, researcher in the field. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, became friends with his local, you know, um, his local um, liquor store owner. And it just came out in conversation one day by George Obarski, who was the, the main witness in that case, uh, that he had seen something, seen something that, that shook him to his core. I mean, he was, he was legitimately emotionally affected by what he had seen. And I said, wow, what a great case. Um, this is this is what we're going to do. So I, I grabbed Beth. I'm like, here, here, I have the case file. Here, we're going to North Jersey. She's like, what are we doing? I'm like, we're, we're going to see this UFO case. We're going to follow up on it. And so I read over the case file like, repeatedly over and over and over again. Um, and uh, and so I got the case file in hand and I had some, some cameras and some recorders, different devices and stuff. And the first thing I wanted to do was, was trace the path that the witness took that night and like like i said before he was a he ran a and owned a liquor store and he closed up shop one day and took his normal route back home he would take the shortcut through this park north hudson park in in new jersey and um so he stops at the stop sign adjacent to the park and his radio begins to get go out he's getting interference and it's cutting in and out and all this stuff like that um something that my, actually my sisters witnessed uh, many, many years ago, same thing. And he's messing with his radio and he's like, oh man, this is, he's, what he's thinking is like, how much is this going to cost me? I need to get a new radio. And, uh, and then he starts to see these weird lights behind him and these lights pass over his vehicle, passes over the road, goes across the street and hovers and comes to, you know, it hovers just a couple of feet off the ground in this baseball field right across from the Stonehenge apartments. And he sees these beings come out of the craft, walk around. They had little backpacks on. He said they're about four feet tall. It's crazy, right? And again, what Grant's touches on all the time, it's this performative thing. Why did it, it, it seemed like it was a performance. But when you really read the report, it really jumps out at you. So they take out these little shovels and they start taking, like digging soil and putting in these little bags. And, uh, and you know, and this goes on for a couple of minutes. He thinks about approximately, and they 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 pack up, they get into the craft, and the thing takes off. Well, if it had been just him that had witnessed this, that would have been one thing. But there were night watchmen and security guards at that apartment building on not only that night, but on other nights, witnessed these strange lights up on on that area. That's you know, the 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 front doors of the apartment building are kind of sunken down from from where the site is, and so it's kind of an uphill thing, and they several people reported seeing lights going you know up there and they thought what well, what are those crazy kids doing with those cars up there um but when police were called they went up there they found no cars they found no you know tire tracks in in the in the grass they found nothing um but what george did is he went back to look for these you know went back to the same spot to look for these where these beings had dug these holes and lo and behold he finds these holes dug in the ground now what's interesting is that not only is that cool because there's physical evidence of it. Mm-hmm. He, he, he comes back with his son. He shows his son and then he brings back investigators. Investigators go back to the site a year later and they see that the holes are kind of through from just natural erosion and rain and so forth. They're filled in, but there's no grass growing in those 13 spots. A year later, there's mm-hmm. no grass growing there. So mm-hmm. something happened. Obviously he saw something that did 
take place. It's like, it's not that who knows what it is, what he saw. So me and Brie are kind of these big subscribers to kind of believe through the podcast that like, maybe you're not necessarily seeing what's in front of you and you're more being, you know, telepathically shown what it is you're seeing. So maybe some sort of event happened and he was being shown little green men or gray men picking up little pieces of dirt, but that's not really what was happening. Exactly. And that's what, that's what, that's about what I was going to say is who's, who's to say what actually happened, what was actually there, but that's what he perceived. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I thought that's a great case to follow up on. Let, let's get, it's maybe an hour from here by car. So I was like, let's do it. We go up there. I start tracing his path that he took along the park. Just like I said, we get to the exact spot mm-hmm. where his radio cut out and he saw the lights, right? And this is like in the middle of the day, there's people around, there's a baseball game going on. Um, I pull up to that stop sign and I stop. Instantly, I look down at the case report and I realize, oh my God, this is, this, this is where he, he first saw the craft. I no sooner say that, the GPS goes out, our cell phone goes out, the radio starts getting all this um, interference, like static and all this loud, which was loud at first, we had to like scramble to turn the radio down because it scared mm-hmm. the crap out of us all the everything electronic in the car went bananas mm. and yeah and and i'm thinking like this can't be this cannot be happening oh my god so i like as soon as i can i pull over and i get out some emf meters and and you know tri-field meters and all this stuff and i start walking up and down the street people look at me like what the hell is this guy doing yeah what's this guy doing uh, yeah and i'm taking all these readings nothing anomalous because i thought oh maybe it's something electromagnetic you know that's, yeah, that's happening in the same spot over and over again maybe there's like right. crosses some wires you're between two towers it just happens to make everything stop right there yeah and i mean i i i did a circle around the entire area even going right up to the telephone poles right up to the electrical lines and i, I wasn't getting any anything anomalous at all so mm-hmm. so that was pretty crazy um so I, I we spent a few hours in that area just walking around and not really seeing anything but it was cool to with the case file in hand, walk around the spot and look and see, okay, this was this far. And mm-hmm. I went down to the apartment buildings and I was looking up at the hill and I thought, oh, wow, that's, I could see how you could mistake it for a car because of the difference in height and everything, you know? Um, so we're chilling at the park right before we leave. We decided, let's go to the park. There's a nice lake there and we'll chill out there for a little bit. And we're sitting there. What takes place next is known as the sniffing man incident. This is okay. super weird, super right. weird, right? I'm ready for this. <laughs> so uh, Beth and I are sitting on these two park benches by this huge beautiful willow tree we're sitting there and people are walking their dogs by and jogging and stuff and we're like hey how you doing good morning good afternoon how you doing and uh I see this gentleman come around the corner down the hill and he's walking and the best way I can describe is he was he was, he was Tibetan or Mongolian maybe okay, that's about okay. what if I had to guess where he was from that's what I would say and I just, I see him and I just take note of him. It doesn't stand out to me. As he gets closer, I keep, I start looking at him and something about him is just off. Mm. Like it's just, something's not right. He gets within five to 10 feet of me and now I'm staring and my eyes are just locked and I can't take my eyes off this guy. Yeah. He walks up in front of me, stops immediately in front of me. He turns and starts sniffing me like a dog. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and he did so for maybe 15 seconds to 30 seconds. The whole time I'm just, and anyone that, anyone that knows me is like, why didn't you do the normal mic reaction? Which is like, 
what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, like, hey, can I help (laughs) you? You're sniffing me a little weird. Instead, you just kind of froze and you're just like, okay. Beat it, crackhead. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know, like all those normal reactions gone out the window. And we had a long discussion about this with my paranormal group last night. I I just sat there staring at him. I didn't look at Beth. She didn't look at me. We were both just transfixed on this weirdo sniffing me. And then he stops. He turns and starts awkwardly walking away. Um, And we're, our eyes are locked on him until he walks down this path, maybe 30, 50 feet away. He turns around this bush, makes a left and makes a turn. And instantly when he's out of sight, and this, all this I noticed later on when I was getting interviewed yeah. by a friend of mine, the instant he moved out of sight, I snapped out of it. And I was like, and that's when I turned to look at Beth. I'm like, what the fuck was that? What the hell just yeah. happened? And she was like, I-, I was about to ask you that same question. It was like, and we didn't lose time, but for that moment, for that entire time where he was in front of us and doing whatever the hell he was doing, we were completely unable to do anything, stand up, react. You were talk, a trance, trance, totally yeah, a trance. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and, and again, my friend is like, there was an interview and he said, so you, where did he go after that? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Because after said, that, once the trance was gone, you, you weren't paying attention anymore. Yeah. Right. He said, you didn't, wait, you didn't go after him? I'm like, no. I, I was like, we sat there for another half an hour talking about how bizarre that was. By the time we got up and walked away, we walked the same path, but by then he was gone. We was yeah. nowhere in sight. Um, and so, you know, and I think about some strange figures in that same case at the Stonehenge incident. It's the same case. After these sightings were seen, there were several strange figures in that area seen walking around with strange helmets on. There were like lights coming from like some kind of helmet or something they were wearing. They were looking up at the sky. They are moving in these strange, stiff, kind of robotic movements, which is reported in some men in black cases as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just can't help connecting those dots because, you know, there's a lot more in my friend Justin. It says all the time, there's more than just guys in dark suits that show up or ladies in dark suits that show up and, and pressure people and intimidate people. It's more than that. It's, you know, I don't know if you heard about these, these uh, flannel man cases um these different there's different beings people that are being seen that are very odd that seem out of place aren't aren't guys in suits but have that same kind of bizarre feel to them and they will appear and disappear and they act very strangely so and it goes again it goes back to this our theory that you know this this phenomenon is way bigger than we think and i think we're just beginning to scratch the surface of this Oh yeah. And it's so interesting that you make this comment about how you're, you know, you're almost frozen and you're like stuck and you're in this moment and all you're doing is observing this person. You're stuck in this trance. And it's reminds me so much of like when people say, well, if you saw something, why didn't you take a picture of it? Why didn't you take a video? Why didn't you pull your phone out? And it's exact, that exact thing right there. And you don't understand it until you experience it, but there's just a moment where something's happening that your brain cannot explain. And you, you are paralyzed. You cannot do anything, but just observe in that moment. You cannot take your phone out of your pocket. You cannot turn your head. You cannot have a question. All you can do is use your eyeballs and wait for it to stop. And a lot of people don't understand that. And I think it's so funny when people are like, well, what was your evidence? Like, well, you, I'm sure someone's going to be like, well, why didn't you get your phone out and take a picture? What do you look like? Mm -hmm. You know, you had all that equipment with you. You know, why didn't, why, why didn't you have anything of what was going on? It was like, well, you get stuck sometimes. I know me and Brie had an experience in her backyard. I talk about this experience a lot where we saw an orb that came 
pretty, pretty much in our face, you know, like right in front of us, staring at us in our eyeballs. And I remember her and me, her arms on my back. And we just, we didn't move. We didn't make a sound. We didn't make a peep, nothing. It's just, we stood next to each other. And then when it was gone, it was gone. And that was the whole experience. And I wish we could have gotten it on camera. I wish we would have said something to it or talked to it, but you just, you, you can't, you're literally paralyzed in the moment. Yeah. What color was the orb? By, by orange. It was like, yeah, like an orange, amber color. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you I know wonder... what's weird? We had seen it a few times in the backyard. It had never got very close. There's an area at her, at her parents' house where we kind of always joke that it's kind of like maybe there's a portal right here. We've seen some weird things kind of in the sky around that area. And I had seen orbs before kind of just floating around at night and things like that. But one time in the backyard, it's like it came out of that portal and came down. I mean, I don't ever like saying how close things are because we like to make fun of people who say that, but it was probably about within 10 to 20 feet of us, just like literally staring us at our eyeballs, like just, hey guys, what's up? I'm here. Wow. I'm curious if these instances you're talking about these these flannel men and with this um, sniffing man that you encountered, could this be like a modern day men in black men in black? Yeah, maybe, you know, when they first started popping up, it was, a you know, back in the day, it might have been more common to dress nicely, wear a suit, you don't really see that as much anymore. Could they just they got new outfits. They got new looks. Well, and it seems too that the the behavior of like sniffing you is very reminiscent of me of like, you know, people saying like aliens are watching us and they pick up really weird things that we do. So they saw a dog sniff you. So they think that that's how people interact. You know what I mean? <laughs> it reminds me of like an alien who doesn't know anything about humans who is like, oh, look, will dogs sniff them to say hello. So maybe if I if I do this, it'll seem familiar. <laughs> well, it's good it didn't sniff his crotch. That would have been right so now? awkward. It like tries to put its head in between his legs. <laughs> that would have been super awkward. Yeah, but I thought about that too. Like, because we we think about the phenomenon. Because let's 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 go back a little bit. And this is the one major problem I have with the whole UFO report that dropped from the government. <laughs> because it just it just completely. I know you guys feel the same way. It, it just completely just denied all the history that's going back to in the United States at least to the 1600s. Mm. of people seeing weird shit in the sky but during the 1800s what was it it was these wooden airships flying around you're dragging anchors across people's yards and they're coming down and asking for tools and water and help mm -hmm. and, st and stuff like that you know and so and now and then it moved on to discs and then now it's like seems to be orbs mainly light phenomena so so i thought about that myself too it's like is the is this just the phenomena the beings whatever you want to call them just adapting to something to, to adapt, adapt, adapting to modern clothing, modern, you know, sort of cultural differences and stuff and not quite keeping up, which is why they kind of stand out a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they would have been spotted quick. I mean, if someone would just see a man in a suit and a hat walking through like a park, they would immediately, they would stand out. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense. That's kind of really interesting. Yeah. It's like, is it, is it us that's doing that? And that goes back to Jamie and um, mentioning earlier that it could be how we perceive it. The more open our consciousness is to see things closer to what they are. So is that what's happening? And that's how we relate to it. Or is it the phenomena itself it's being changing, that sentient mm -hmm. to adapt and morph? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think it's a little bit of both. It, it, yeah, it certainly could be. It certainly could be. And I, I thought about um, something that, that has been in the back of my head for, for years 
with different paranormal groups and we've we've given you know hosted different events and hosted ghost hunts and all that kind of stuff like that and one thing i noticed over the years is that it, it seemed that seasoned investigators and i have a funny counterpoint to this in a second uh that it's that more seasoned investigators seem to be more tuned in to hearing certain things or seeing certain things that took place in the environment and I remember one uh, event we did up in North Jersey where we were doing different, basically holding um, this event, this like little kind of historic village. And we had different stations set up in different areas. And I was running the EVP station because that seems to be something I'm adept at capturing. I just seem to be able to capture EVPs pretty, pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, so during that event, we had a group of people in this old schoolhouse, like a one-room schoolhouse that was there. And... Myself and another investigator was there. We were running recorders, but we were kind of doing like a, a demonstration of how we run EVP sessions and, and what to do, what not to do, and all that sort of thing. We're, as we're getting set up, we hear this voice come out. And instantly, the other investigator and I look at each other like, you heard that, right? <laughs> and, and she's like, yeah, I heard that. You heard that? I'm like, yep. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and we just knew instantly there was not anyone in the room that's, that, that, that was responsible for the voice. Mm -hmm. But we double checked and we said, all right, did anyone else? just say that they said no and we said you know and one thing we do in EVP sessions is we have everyone that's present during a session say their name and make sure they participate and say some stuff into the recorder so you have that to compare each session right so that you can compare later when you go over evidence who was there what they sound like you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, so it, it didn't through through view i ended up catching the voice it sounded muffled distant but close at the same time if that makes any sense mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just crazy um but none of the people from the public they were heard in the it. room with us heard it mm -hmm. and it was loud as it was as loud as can be it was clear as a bell to us and it was far louder to our ears than it than it was picked up on the recorders and i just over the years saw this phenomenon happen over and over and over again, doing all these public events and having, you know, beginners, quote unquote, mm -hmm. people, people interested, but not investigators coming into a space like Pennhurst, for example, is another one. We've done a lot of events there. Um, and things happening in the environment where people that aren't necessarily experienced or haven't had a lot of experience in these different areas just don't seem to, it just doesn't, it doesn't show up on their radar, but where for us, it's like, what the hell? It's like obvious as hell mm -hmm. to us, but yeah. So it's, 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 it makes me think, but then again, let's go back to a whole bunch of seasoned investigators that trained me that were investigating Fort Mifflin, which is insanely active site just outside of Philadelphia. And um, it's called the fort that saved America. It's immensely important historically mm -hmm. to the, to the country, everything. It's, it's amazing. Uh, a bunch of investigators were, were sitting outside. There's this huge courtyard in the middle of all these bunkers and forts and stuff. They're, 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 kneeling down on the on the berm looking out into the courtyard where there's all these reports of figures being seen and stuff like that and literally i mean five out of ten people saw this clearly a spectral horse and rider mm -hmm. a guy in revolutionary war get up the saber you know the musket the, the whole thing that three-pointed hat the, the whole deal on horseback in uniform rides right down the road right past all of them and just like you said a second break or jamie i'm sorry uh they all have equipment they all have cameras did any of them pick up the camera hanging around their neck and take no, a picture? no of course no. not 
they were totally frozen and they watched this rider ride right past them right down the road and disappear out of sight and then once it was over boom they snap out of it and they're like what did you did yeah. who else just saw that and, but nobody took a picture nothing and they all were sitting there with cameras they were investigators investigating the paranormal it happens right in front of them yep. and they're just like bah, 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 bah. they're just yeah struck still by it I think that's, that's why we put so much of an emphasis on like people having their own experiences though, whether it comes to paranormal UFOs or anything like that, having your own experience is the greatest and best evidence that anyone could ever have. It's not about mm -hmm. taking your picture or video and showing it to someone else or telling someone else your story and they automatically believe you. It's about just experiencing it yourself and knowing that it's real. So I think a big part of why like me and Brie, I think are just more open to having those experiences, whether it has to do with our our history of having UFO experiences or the fact that we're just more open to experiencing them now. I think that there's so many levels to that, you know, like you, somebody who's been in this paranormal, of course, you're going to be able to pick up and hear things a lot better than people who aren't because one, you're a lot more trained in it, but two, you're a lot more open and in tune okay. to it. Like you are, this is your life. This is your passion. This is what you're doing. Whereas, you know, some people are, oh, it's a funny weekend. We'll go learn how to do ghosts and stuff like that. So they're not so as in tune, but I think that that's it people like us are conduits to get other people into this subject and things like that. You know, like I remember I had an experience one time where I was like joking with a bunch of friends out in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, I can make UFOs show up. I bet you, I could show you one. And I was like, ha ha ha. So funny. And I was like, look, they're going to be in the sky. And then sure as shit, it happened. And it was just like stuff like that happens when you least expect it. And in the moments that mean the most, I think. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And it, it, one of the things that we were, whoop, one of the things we were we were taught uh, during training was that yeah we can we have the equipment there and recorders and stuff like that but th those things are all there to kind of um, as verification as backup as a piece of evidence that I can get it maybe capture in a video um, to to help support what I felt and sensed mm -hmm. and what what we were always told from day one it was hammered into our heads was like you are the number one piece of equipment in any case or any any uh event you're gonna feel it you're gonna sense it you're gonna see it before the equipment does if the equipment does it all and a lot of times equipment doesn't do it any justice but i've been in so many so many situations with mediums where i had them describe certain thing equipment's going off and i'm catching a voice that that is consistent with what the medium is saying and it, it's it's just happened countless times it's crazy and again, you can have all that stuff. You can bring it to a skeptic and they're going to go, eh, because they weren't there and they didn't experience it, just like you said. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to totally believe it. And, and, and I'll take it a step further. I have a friend of mine who I've investigated, I don't want to say investigated with, but investigated near uh, on, on several different occasions inadvertently. But he's a super scientific-minded person. Mm -hmm. But I have found that paranormal activity does not happen around him. It just doesn't. If we go on a case, we're going to a super active place and I find out he's there. I'm just like, ah, Shuts down. Yep. fuck, I don't even want to go because I know nothing's going to happen. I, I think that there's some sort of an intelligence behind this paranormal other side of the veil that a lot of people uh, underestimate. You know, they think intelligence like, oh, interacts, it could turn on a light. But no, no, no. There's a big, a big more intelligence, especially when you talk about investigating paranormal places, like when you have your energy drained from your equipment and things like that, or all of a sudden you're hearing things, but you can't catch it on camera or it keeps happening in the room that you don't have cameras in. That is that 
being intelligence, whatever it is, completely fucking with you. And clearly they can see him as somebody as a scientific mind. And they're like, oh no, we're not touching that with a 10 foot pole. And they just shut it off. They're like, nope, not today. Well, that goes back to Grant Cameron though, um, that consciousness, these types of paranormal experiences, UFO experiences are right brain, not left brain. So people that are more left brain oriented are literally shut off from that. Mm -hmm. It's like they, it can't enter, but people that are very right brained, creative, like creatives are probably the biggest one. And of course that's linked with psychic abilities. Those people are the ones that have the experiences. So to me, I was like your friend too scientific to the point of like materialism. So it's like, it can't enter. The consciousness is not set up that way for that to happen. Yeah, That's 100%. the way it, it yeah. makes so it makes so much sense to me, the way that he describes it with right brain, right brain and left brain. And, and then you can see that like you can see that with your friend. But it you also literally have sense. to be open, like, yeah, it was open. Insane, but it makes sense. So many other contexts too of like people who are like, well, I really want to see a UFO. I really want to see a ghost and I try, but I go and then it doesn't happen. Well, maybe your brain just isn't wired for it. Or it's like they're mentally think they want to see it, but they're not actually open like in an energy channel wise. Mm -hmm. So maybe the more you experience with some type of psychic ability or trying to get in tuned with the unseen, maybe you allow that to happen. Yeah. Rather than having those blocks, hmm. you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like the way the way psychic ability was described to us, and it's something that they addressed in training, uh, is that the more sensitive you are, the more open you're going to be to becoming influenced by something that's going on in a space. Mm. So the and the way it was described to us was like you have you have everyone has the potential for psychic ability. Everyone has some yes, ability. Course. Everyone is sensitive. They said it all the time. But some people's antennas are much stronger than others. Or, or, or their frequencies are more tuned in than others or, mm -hmm. or tuned into certain frequencies more than others. And so the more sensitive you are, the more that you have to adopt things like protection for yourself, yeah. psychic protection. Because if you just go into a place completely open, you're gonna, you're gonna get sideswiped. And I've seen it happen. I've seen investigators literally standing there totally fine one second and then they just, they boom, they're hit, they hit the floor. And we're dragging them outside and like taking their shoes off, putting their bare feet in the, in the grass and leaning them against a tree and just grounding them and getting them back into, you know, after a little while, they're okay. But, you know, the it's left like brain, right attack. brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it may even not, in some cases, not even be an attack, but just you're, if you're open to it and you open up too much and you're just accidentally inviting it in. Yeah. Right. You're vulnerable to it. Overwhelmed you can, and you're not, by it. Right, that is so ready. crazy. That's just like, why have I never thought about that before? I was gonna say, Brie, I feel like that happens to you that all the happened time. Like to me, yeah, like, like Brie is very, so yeah, Brie is very God. sensitive, and all of a sudden she'll get in a situation where, like, if there's people in emotion, and she's just so overwhelmed that she cannot, like, that's if she well, cannot. That one like ghosty story that I have, mm -hmm. like that, just you totally just brought up something for me that happened decades ago talk about that, it that makes so much sense now um i i went to a church with a friend of mine she was like a mentor at the time i was very religious we we're very christian and um 
she took me to her church when it was after hours she just had to pick up some things and always told me how amazing the church is and da 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 so she takes me and it was like the second i walked in it was like the air was sucked out of the building and I immediately felt so incredibly heavy, like in my throat, my head, I felt nauseous. And I felt like there was an overwhelming presence that was like, get out, get out. And then I instantly knew that there were bodies buried there, that there was a murder that had happened there. And it was like, I just felt so, so sick. And at the time, because I was so, Christian, I was so confused of how it is that my very angelic type of mentor loves this place. She's like, this is amazing. She loves this church. She's taking me to show me. And it's like, for me, the second I walk in, it's like, this is hell. And I, I felt like I couldn't tell her because I knew that her response would be like, you're seeing demons, but she could also think that I was making it up because mm -hmm. this is like the most sacred place to her. And I just had to get out. And I will never, ever, ever forget that feeling of just overwhelming, like a darkness hit me and just over and over again, like get out, leave. Well, like, if I remember correctly not... too, this was kind of your time when you started to maybe separate ways with the more religious side of you, correct? Uh, it was probably right before that. Mm. So maybe a little bit of foreshadowing from your uh, maybe <laughs> your spirit guides a little bit. It just hit me so hard. I had never experienced anything like that, and I felt like I couldn't talk to her about it. I feel like I couldn't really explain that to anyone. Again, because of that kind of like stigma. It's the house of God. Why would it to... be negative? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm just thinking like, how does you're she possessed not... when you, because you're burning when you come in the church? <laughs> I don't know, man, but it was just so weird. Wow. I just, now that, you know, it's been so long, I want to, I wish I could know, like, has something happened there? It was just so weird that I really could not be there. I had to leave. I'm just like, I'm going to wait for you outside. I couldn't stay there. Wow. I just wasn't prepared, maybe. You know? Just overwhelmed, yeah. So it just, it makes so much sense to me when you say that. And I can't believe I've never put two and two together like that. That's kind of nuts. Um, mm. But yeah, it's pro it's protection. Learning to ground. I've mm -hmm. definitely had that struggle, especially when you're like an extremely empathic person. I think you have to really, really practice grounding, sen like setting your boundaries. Um, it's just... That's crazy. You really brought something up for me. Thank you for sharing that story. That just like changes my perspective <laughs> on the whole awesome, situation. Awesome. I love awesome this though. That's what this is about though. It's about having these open conversations and learning new things about ourselves every time, you know, like we only can look at ourselves and our situations through our own eyes. When we start to hear other people's stories, we start to link a lot more of these dots together. That's why it's so important that we all cross all these little paths and go through all these things because look, now this paranormal side is helping us bring things out in our alien side of us. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it could be just something. Um, it, it, it's a situation that we've come across a couple times over the years, where it, it literally just could have been this unfortunate uh, crossing of paths with something that just happened to be passing through there, was in that church, and you just happened to come at the same time, at whatever same that time. was, it, mm -hmm. it was there, might have nothing to do with the church, it might have 
might have the something only to do thing, with the thing, though, is that I knew that there were bodies there. It was like an instantaneous oh. knowing where I knew that people were buried there and that there was a murder. I, that I've was experienced the, thing. the same thing. When, it was like when, an instant knowing, like, oh, there's bodies buried, like, on the land. Oh, something wrong happened here. There was a murder. Who knows if that was, like, actual during church times or if that was before the church was built. The church was very old. So mm. who knows? Um, but that's the only thing that makes me think that possibly it was related. But who knows? I mean, if something's dark and is like more of a trickster, I'm sure that they could make you think anything, yeah. feel anything. Yeah, totally. There's there's 100% a trickster element to all this. Um, and it could be something on the land. It could be something the church just unfortunately was built on top of. Exactly. Some kind of massacre or something. I, I experienced the same thing when I went out to the Bel Air house in Ohio to investigate there. We drove up to the house, pulled into the driveway, got out of the car and I shut the door and I'll never forget this. The instant I put my feet on the ground, I looked around and Beth looked at me and she was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, who, who was buried here? There's, mm -hmm. there, there's bodies all over the place. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, like every, and then, and then we, so we go into the house and it was at this public event and we ended up meeting the, uh, the proprietor of the place. Kristen is awesome, uh, is a medium herself. Uh, and she's giving the tour and the history and stuff like that. And lo and behold, directly behind the house is this huge mountain that just like shoots up. Sheer mountain face behind and across the street is the Ohio River. So you, you got all this, you know, energetic water and yep, things water going flow, on. Yeah, yep. Exactly. And it turns out that the uh the, that mountain was sacred to the natives of that area and they buried their shamans in in, in the mountainside oh, <laughs> directly wow. behind the house and there's all this all these reports of activity all throughout the town of like bizarre people going nuts losing their shit murders people kids murdering their parents like all this crazy stuff that wow. i can't help all kind of comes back to this anomalous area like a window area was what keel would call it you know just this area where there's all this convergence of energy some of it natural some of it maybe not and people are not aware of it but are still susceptible to it and are feeling the effects of it well and there's more and more of those hot spots i seem that that tend to be popping up i don't know if maybe it's because we're just now connecting all these dots but you know you have like the bridgewater triangle area you have you know the bermuda triangle you have out in catalina that area where all the usos come out of the water you're starting to see these colorado very, yeah colorado skinwalker ranch these very concentrated areas where it, it's just almost like it, it we're bursting at the seams and it can't hold itself in anymore and it, it makes me think that something bigger is going to happen down the line because it's you have all these these rips and tears and all this stuff spewing out of it and it just seems to not being able to like stop itself i think it's us yeah, yeah like we're the ones causing it no like we're in tuned with it oh like, like we're, we uh... are being somewhat there's some type of energetic evolution that's happening and I think the more, like you're saying, the more that we're talking, the more people become open, the more people want to experience for themselves, the more they start looking at things, maybe start trying to grow any type of psychic ability. So I think that as our consciousness grows, that we are becoming more susceptible to seeing this. Yeah, that we're able to actually see this more or experience it on a physical level. That to mm. me makes sense. Maybe there was already that energy, we're but we're amplifying it, it. We're open to it. And so 
also I think with that maybe fear comes and I think mm-hmm. um having a type of reaction like that I mean obviously you would be feeding it some type of energy oh for sure would be contributing mm-hmm. absolutely we, we, we've had we've helped countless people that were experiencing things in their home and the more they were afraid the longer this went on mm-hmm. the more fear they kind of poured into their environment the worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse it got and we we've actually had a couple of cases where people have literally manifested some kind of being themselves mm-hmm. yep yep and it was their own fear sort of taken on a form like the like the tibetans would say a tulpa and it, mm-hmm. and it would and it, it it was a thought form that took on a physical attribute and was manipulating things in the physical environment um yeah and it, it, there was even a case where in another group i was in there were a bunch of individuals that just had it out for this one investigator they just didn't like her and they were always talking smack about her and mm-hmm. like you know and spreading rumors and all this kind of stuff like that and this investigator began getting bruises on her body inexplicably mm-hmm. just with it, when wasn't banging into anything or falling nothing yeah. just bruises began to appear and the director of the group recognized what was going on and he said you know he got everyone together aside from that investigator and said look you everyone you're, you need to stop you're, you're manifesting you're, this you're yeah. manifesting you're you're harming this person on an energetic level and it's now taking on physical form it's you got to stop That's mm-hmm. crazy. and you know yeah and they, and they had to all kind of say okay wow and that was it's sort of a punch in the stomach like well okay yeah we can manipulate our environment with our thought thoughts are energy actions are energy yep emotions are energy all that stuff is energy i mean you can you can literally measure the electromagnetic field of the human heart i mean it, it's it it's just how far does it go that's the only question and how yeah. much of this are we tuning into and how much of it are we causing yeah. or how much how much are we keying into something taking place and feeding it and then making it worse and we can't really help it either. No, you get so excited that you're, yeah. you're like caught up in it. Mm-hmm. When I think it doesn't help too, because we can't, we can't really measure it and understand it because the minute we get science involved, it wants to stop, you know? So it's like, it's, it's this back and forth. That's constantly never ending. I think. Yeah. Science, science is, I love science, but I love science, <laughs> I love science, but, but it's... there's certain places it can't go and it's just not. It's, I don't think it's that. It's that I don't think that we here on Earth have the scientific tools and capability to understand this phenomenon. And until we stumble upon and learn those tools, it's going to continue to elude us. We just we have to keep evolving science until we get to the level where we're able to understand that stuff. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. I think that the phenomenon in general is just always going to be two steps ahead a million of million steps yeah. ahead of us. Yeah. It's and possible. science, you have to have that physicality to it, that repeatability just over and over again. A plus B mm-hmm. equals C. The phenomenon is like, no, there's C, there's D, there's maybe D. A yeah. will show up. A squared <laughs> like, minus two, who knows? Yeah. yeah, and if you can't measure that over and over, there's no place for it in our science. So true. Community. It's so true. I know. All right, guys, that's going to, we're going to have to cut off here because I know we all got things to do, but we're going to have to talk again, Mike. I, we had so much fun chit-chatting with you. Come on whenever you want. Next time we let's do a Bobby's Crypto Corner, maybe the New Jersey devil and come on. Oh, nice. Oh, that would oh, be cool. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Would that be you in? Oh, ah, 
yes. Okay, so we'll we'll plan for that in the future. But yes, thank you, awesome. Mike, so much for coming on, and we can't wait to talk to you again. We had so much fun, and everyone, check yeah. out the podcast. Uh, we're gonna put all the links down below inside of the description of the video and the audio, so you guys can go check it out yourselves as well. Yeah. Awesome, thanks again. Awesome. Thank you so much. You gave me a lot to think about. I know so you much. Really did. Awesome. Was, awesome. That's really great. cool. Yeah. It was, this was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to doing this again. Absolutely. Yeah. Crypto yeah. Corner. Crypto Corner. Yes. And that now this month. Yeah, absolutely. We, for freaking spooky season, absolutely. We want to get as many cryptos as we can in. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, Mike, nice. well, you have fun and you're officiating a wedding, right? Mm, uh, my girlfriend's officiating. I'm sort of assisting. Oh, yeah. you're assisting. Cool. I love it. Well, you guys have fun and we'll email and we'll talk to you about when we want to get on again. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. 100%. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Have a good weekend. You too. Take care.